Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. It's Jennifer Rogers Markwell and you're joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. Today I'm joined by Emily June Wilcox. Emily, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Well, tell us all about you and then why you do what you do. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a money healer and business mentor, but that certainly wasn't always the case. Um, I had founded multiple businesses, um, an agency and an e-commerce brand, and money felt like the thing I was always still chasing and trying to crack the code. And I would look to my left and right and just find examples where it seemed like money was easier for other people than it was for me. Um, and you know, I just thought I needed to make more and that that would fix everything. And it wasn't until I had my first $100,000 cash month, which had been a goal for a long time. And I was very much in like the masculine energy of like, this is my goal. I'm going to write it down every day. And here are all the steps I'm going to take until I hit this goal. And I thought that once I hit that milestone, I would feel really successful. Like I had made it. I thought the business would feel more stable. I thought I would feel more rich than I actually felt. And so I was really surprised and kind of confused when the milestone happened and I was sort of having to force myself to celebrate, but I kind of felt like I was phoning it in. And when I really felt into my body, I actually felt a lot of anxiety. Like, can we do this again? How will we do this again? What if we don't do this again? And I didn't feel that safe. I didn't feel that successful. And I didn't feel that rich. And it was the first time that I really saw beyond the veil. And it was like, up until that point, I always just thought, oh, I just need to move the goalposts. Like 50K just wasn't a big enough goal, but maybe it's 75. No, maybe it's 100. And finally it was like, okay, I get it. I understand the game I've been playing and that like, I can't win this game. And so I realized that like, I don't actually know that hitting any financial milestone can make me feel safe and make me feel successful. And I, then I really started doing the inner work and creating a lot more safety around my relationship with money and starting to dive into, you know, what, what was dysfunctional about my relationship with money and through my own inner work and, um, you know, some divine guidance was able to kind of develop this methodology around these six money wounds and how we diagnose them and what the potent medicine is for each of them. And now I feel so honored that I get to work with, you know, women entrepreneurs to help them diagnose and heal their money wounds and start to really build more wealth. Explain the term money wounds for folks that don't maybe understand that terminology quite. Yeah. So, I mean, a money wound is 
it's a stored trauma. So it can be thoughts, but it's also feeling. And I think sometimes we're more familiar as a society with the idea of money mindset. But the problem with saying money mindset is that we sort of just think, oh, well, I can like slap some affirmations on it. Like, if I'm thinking the wrong thought, let me just change the thought. And it's really the feelings. And so um, when, you know, when we have stored trauma in the body, there really is a wound, but it's just an inner wound. It's like an energetic wound. And so understanding that it's there and starting to get at the root cause of it and then heal it with with really like potent and specific medicine to that wound really helps us reshape our relationship with money. And and I know you and I have talked about, you know, why we need more women in financial services and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I think women tend to be more naturally intuitive and more feelings first and more relationships first. And and I think a lot of the financial industry just can't understand why, like, I, I don't get it. I can't get my client to log in and look at their money. I can't get them to pay attention. I can't get them to stay on a budget or like whatever the things are. And it's like, right, because in their body, it doesn't feel good. And in their body, it's like triggering this old trauma response. And they probably don't even know it, but it's like, that's what's running the show. And so it doesn't matter if my logical mind thinks that I should log into my bank account once a week. I'm not going to do it if what it actually feels like is a gripping, clenching feeling in my stomach and I'm afraid of what I'm going to find. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to find reasons to avoid that. How did you get on this path? I mean, so obviously, well, maybe you did. Gosh, woke up one day and you're like, hey, this is what I want to do. But how did you evolve to maybe from where you were? I mean, as a young person, did you know you wanted to do this? And how, if not, how did you get here? Yeah, I mean, it, it came as a surprise to me. I mean, in some respects, I feel like I was like the last one to know. Um, at, at the end of 2020, I had been working on like, okay, hey, what are my affirmations going to be for the next year? And I said, okay, in 2021, like I'm going to be more soul led. I really want to spend more time listening to my higher self. And so in my meditations, I had been saying, speak and I will listen, lead and I will follow. And I went to Sedona, um, with my family and with another family in between Christmas and New Year's. And we were doing all of the woo-woo stuff that's, that Sedona is known for. And I was getting a, a shamanic massage and I hear this, this voice inside my head that I could tell wasn't mine saying, you need to take a month off from work. And I was like, ew, no, like, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, and then I could see the comedy that like here I had been saying, speak and I will listen, lead and I will follow. And then it was like, oh, but don't tell me that. Like, I, that's not what I want to do. So I very reluctantly went to my husband and our other business partner um, in the agency where I was CEO at the time. And, you know, we had a, a, a team and clients and all the things and said, you know, I, I need to take some time away to start the year. And I don't know why it feels like a birth, like there's something that wants to come through. And, you know, just like when a human baby comes, like it's inconvenient, you have to clear the schedule and you've got to drop everything and you've got to create some space. And so even though I don't know what this is about, I'm going to listen and I'm going to try and figure it out. And went through, you know, just so much of my own mental shit around that. Like, 
I am with someone who always tied my worthiness to like achievement and work and productivity. And so then here I am working in the same home, home space as my husband. And, you know, he's leaving the office to come in the kitchen and get a drink. And I'm like reorganizing the kitchen cupboards because that's what's feeling intuitively right. But I don't know why. And it seems ridiculous. And so as as the time went by, what started coming through was really about how to hand off my agency responsibilities and how to step back as CEO and how to promote this specific person to an ops manager and how we needed to change our um, org chart and all of these different things. And, and I really was, was just feeling more and more disconnected from that business, which I did not think was going to happen. And I started getting the, the feeling that I was meant to be coaching. I'm like, okay, I'm listening, but like on what, you know? And I was like, I, I remember being brave enough to say to my best friend, like, I think it's money. And she, what her reaction was like, duh, like that feels so right. And I felt so scared of that. I had imposter syndrome around it because even though I had these two seven figure businesses, which you know, on paper sounds so great and like you've made it. I think for many of us who have done that and understand profit margins and everything else, like I really didn't feel like I was nailing the game with money. I felt like money still had some control over me and like I was trying to chase it and like all of this stuff, but I just was willing to kind of put one brave foot in front of the other. And then, and through that, kind of had this whole money wounds methodology kind of downloaded into my brain and 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 started working on it with some friends to see like is this does this really feel true does this really work for people who have a money background that's completely different than mine and you know developed a quiz and sure enough had got all this great feedback and then it's just kind of been one thing after the other and and here I am today coming on your show saying I'm a money healer and it just feels like the most natural thing in the world. So, I mean, there's really like two different aspects to my work. One, one is centered around the money wounds. So diagnosing them, which I think is the biggest piece of it. Like, of course we want to get to the healing, but like, what are we healing? And I think that's often where we go wrong is like, we know something's a little funky with our money story or our money relationship, or we look at our bank account and we're like, well, if this is evidence, like something ain't right here, but we don't get all the way down into the depths and get to the root cause. And so I really believe so much in the power of a diagnosis because it's like, we probably all know someone in our lives with a mystery illness. And it's like, what do you do with that? If you're a woman with a mystery illness, most doctors tell you it's in your head or you're crazy and whatever. And it's like, there's so much power in actually having a diagnosis, understanding the symptomatology, and then being able to figure out the medicine that actually works for it, right? So, so that's definitely one piece of my work. And then I also have the pleasure of working with um, a lot of six-figure entrepreneurs who really want to hit their first million dollar a year. And we kind of operate at this intersection of spirituality and strategy to map it out and make it happen. And I, I absolutely love that as well. Interesting that you say that because I talked to somebody on a prior podcast about, you know, when you're running your business and your head is in and you're busting your tail, right, to hit that six-figure realm, 
And then it's a point where you're like, can I work harder to hit the next threshold? Right. Or do I start being really strategic at this point, right? There's definitely a different switch that happens there than yeah. just like, I've got to do this all myself. Yeah. Yeah. And and often what I find is that that's the hard money wound where we sort of have this um, effort for income equation in our heads. And it's, you get to a certain point where the math stops making sense. You're like, okay, I can do this to get to like 250K. but I can't now like 4X what I'm doing in order to hit the million. And so, and, and you don't want to. Like we have this body wisdom that's like, no, if I have to sacrifice my health or time with my kids or my spouse, like it's not worth it, right? And yet when we can, when we can heal that wound, we can certainly scale our businesses because it isn't always effort for it for income. Like that's one way of doing it. But once that stops making sense, then we have to shift into an impact for income paradigm. Yeah. And there's only so many hours in a day, right? That was right. a quote that someone else had provided. They're like, there's so many, many hours that you can, you know, do what you can do. This is the time to scale. Right. Yeah. So good. Well, one thing we like to chat through is uh, money memories. So what's a money memory that you had as a younger person or as a child that really helped initially mold your relationship to money as an adult? Yeah, so my perception as a child was that money was the root of all arguments in my household. And so I really saw money as a point of conflict. Um, and the way that I sort of internalized that was I'm going to try to not want things because if I want things, then I've got to have money. Then I've got to go to mom or dad. And it may cause like an argument between the two of them. Like, I don't want to burden them. So better to just, you know, stuff that down, go without. Um, and, and that was a story I really took forward for a long time. And I was the queen of delayed gratification. Like I could, I could do a lot for a long time with the idea that it would maybe pay off later. And so part of my work and my healing has been actually focusing more on instant gratification or the pleasure path. Like I talk a lot about the joyous path to millions. And because for me, when I reoriented toward joy and like I'm only willing to stay on the path if I'm enjoying the path. It can't just be for the destination. Like the journey has to feel good. Um, that really helped. And it really helped me to change my relationship with money as well so that it wasn't, I, I sort of saw it as kind of a necessary evil or something to just have enough of so that I didn't have to think about it. That was like my ultimate goal for a long time. And in more of a joy-based or pleasure-based approach, it's like, wait a second. Can I, can I actually be in an intimate relationship with money and enjoy spending and enjoy receiving and trust in the circulation of it? So there was a lot of healing that, that happened along the way um, because those early money memories involved so much conflict. And ironically, look at where you're at now from the money memories that you originally had. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting journey. 
So when you changed the narrative on that, I'm assuming that was before you started this business, right? To be able yeah. to share kind of the journey. What was the switch that happened for you that you were like, this is not a seed that I want to have with me forever. I hear it, but this is not what I want to live. Yeah. I mean, I had been working with coaches and mentors, um, you know, as a CEO of an agency and someone who wanted to, you know, continue to get better. And so there were definitely moments along the way, you know, one of my mentors was able to kind of identify this whole delayed gratification thing. And she was like, okay, I really want you to focus on like instant gratification. And, and I remember just even the idea of that and being given permission to do that felt so edgy. So that was one piece of it. Um, I also at one point worked with a coach for 12 weeks on inner child healing. That's another funny one where like, I never would have hired her had I known that's what we were going to be doing. Um, she sort of, I think her title was like a manifestation coach. And I was like, I want more money. And I liked her. So I was like, I'm going to work with her. And then in our first one-on-one session, like the first question she asked me was like, tell me what it was like to be your father's daughter. And I just felt my entire like throat tighten up and like tears welling in my eyes. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, oh, I'm so emotional about And so, you know, I'm like, I always say money is the best carrot because there's so much like healing and so many things that we're willing to do that for me personally, like I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think it would make me more money. But it's been like a gift way beyond my bank account. Like that inner child healing not only like ended up helping heal things I didn't even know were amiss in my relationship with my parents, but it changed the way I was parenting my kids, the way I was showing up in my marriage. Like, um, so yeah, there, there's definitely been so much healing along the way to get to this point where that money memory feels so complete in a sense. And it's, and it's not like I never have times where I struggle with money. You know, I, I don't think that's realistic. I think we'll always We'll always have moments where it feels a little sticky or a little tricky or we're afraid to spend or we're, you know, we're working on something, but, um, but it does feel very healed. How is the dynamic with your spouse on this? Is he resonating with everything that you're sharing or does he have his kind of his own journey that's separate than yours? I mean, he's my number one fan. So I, I'm super grateful. I definitely wouldn't be here without him. And, you know, I have a podcast as well and like, he listens every week the day that it comes out and then is like telling me what he liked about that episode, which of course I can't even remember because it was eight weeks ago when I filmed it. Um, so he has been an, an incredible cheerleader along the way. Um, and, you know, we've done our own money work together. And, you know, what I see often in my work is that there is different money wounds in the spouses. And and often there is one who is more of the saver, who has more of a hoarder energy around money. And then there's one who like is spending it before it even hits the account. And, and it makes sense to me energetically because so in our relationship, I'm the saver and he's the spender traditionally. And it it's, really helped for me to understand what was happening energetically. Like I was actually drawn to that in him because I wanted to feel freedom around money. Like I wanted to feel an easier going, more spontaneous, more fun 
relationship with money. And he was drawn to, you know, the the saver, the safe one in me because he was craving some safety and stability. And and yet, of course, when you put those things together without any healing work being done, it can create conflict. Like I was seeing him as being very um, irresponsible. And I was internalizing his behavior as like, I can't trust him with money. I don't feel that he is like a safe provider. I'm on my own. I'm the one who has to make sure that we have a roof over our head. I have to have money that's set aside for a rainy day because God only knows what Jeff will do. But so much of that was like actually stuff from my childhood that was being projected onto our relationship. So when when I've been able to do this money work, and he's been curious about it. It's like it's given us a new language and a new understanding for each other. And again, not that we relate perfectly all the time, but I think we're able to look at it more from like an appreciation perspective now instead of me being like just irresponsible. It's like, wow, I'm glad that he is like giving our family permission to like buy the season passes from Disney. Whereas like maybe I wouldn't because I just, like to see that money in the account rather than spending it. No, but what a great balance you have for one another. And especially the fact that you came to the table together, right? And communicated that together. I think that's, that's magical. Yeah. So another thing we like to chat through are financial infidelities, which definably can mean something different to everyone across the board. What is a financial infidelity that you've either experienced or witnessed that you think others could learn from? Mm, yeah. So. Because my orientation is around holding on to money and keeping it and just having it grow, the the way that I would look at a financial infidelity for myself is places where I've sort of dishonored myself because of money or that I've like gone against my morals for money. And um, I remember, and I've like forgotten about this memory actually until I was doing the money healing work around actually the evil money wound, which, which has this whole morality piece to it. And then this memory resurfaced where I had, I just moved to California. So I was like a college graduate. I didn't have a lot of money. And um, unlike apartments in Michigan, where I grew up, where they would have a refrigerator, like a lot of times, California is random. It's like hit or miss. Sometimes you rent a place and there's no refrigerator. And sometimes there is. So I had to go buy my first appliance and I went to this like um, warehouse kind of a place, like a wholesale sort of a situation. And there was the refrigerator I really wanted, but it felt like too big of a purchase. And so then there was like the one that I was going to get. And I tried to actually switch the stickers so that I could get the refrigerator that I wanted and pay less. And thankfully they, they like, I don't know, check the codes or something like that. And they were like, wait, this is the wrong sticker for this model. And I think I ended up buying the cheaper refrigerator because I just couldn't give myself the permission to spend that much money. Um, But it's something where even though I didn't consciously remember it, I had in my subconscious, I had this, this memory that signified to me that I was willing to go against my morals for money. And that made me scared of really building up a lot of wealth because 
I thought, well, who would I be? What might I, what might I have to do in order to get rich? And so that was like part of my healing process was to heal that financial infidelity. Wow. I've never heard that one, actually. I've heard lots of things. I've never heard that one, but thank you for sharing that because I can imagine, I mean, as you're sharing that story, I'm putting myself in your shoes in that moment and being there being like, I can't afford this or whatever your mindset was in that moment to thinking it was acceptable to kind of switch those around. Yeah. Wow. So thank you. As we start to kind of wrap things up, what are tips and or tricks that you utilize to use money differently in your household? Hmm. Well, I really think it's helpful to be in a new relationship with money. So if you're if you're someone who has had kind of an avoidant orientation, then I would say the tip is to sort of lean in, right? So when my clients who want to avoid money actually do log into their bank account, they only do it when they have to like pay a bill and when they have to move money around. And so then they're continuing to have this experience that like every time I interact with money, it's leaving me. And of course that doesn't feel good. Like who wants to be feeling abandoned like over and over again? So getting into relationship with money where you're noticing more when it's coming in. So maybe like a little celebration practice or just spending a little time being with it, like logging into your bank account and maybe it's not going to feel like a celebration. And that's okay. Like if you've normally felt negative or like anxiety or really constricted, then it's like neutrality is the goal. Like, can I take some deep belly breaths while I'm just looking at the money in my account? Can I light a candle? Can I put on a playlist that makes me feel more playful and just sit like circulating some gratitude? And and I think changing the energy and how you feel around money to to me is so much more important because it really is the underpinning of everything about our financial relationship and our wealth building relationship. Love that. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. And those of you watching and joining us, hopefully you'll join us on the next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management.